and thank you for tuning into the Business and Wealth Show with your host, Matt Catrum. Let's go. Thank you for tuning in, as I said. And I will remind you, if you haven't already done your business growth quiz, which outlines which area of your business you should be focusing on, remember, you get that free report when you put those details in. So three-minute report, three-minute, enter your details in, answer the questionnaire, get that report, you know which area of your business to work on. And today I have the absolute pleasure, and if you haven't got that quiz already, it's businessgrowthquiz.me, businessgrowthquiz.me. And as I said, today I have the absolute pleasure to be in conversation with Patrick Rogers out of Oregon, USA. Hey, Patrick, welcome. Thank you for jumping onto this podcast here. Thanks for having me on, Mac. It's a pleasure to be here. You're most welcome. And it's interesting because what we're going to be talking about today, listen up, listen up, listen up, listen up. If you're building your business like most small businesses owners do organically, in other words, you are attracting clients through traditional marketing, lead generation, selling, growing that way, that's fine. But there is a, a faster way to grow your business. And that's through mergers and acquisitions. And that's why we've asked Patrick to jump on here to tell us what all that is and how any small business owners can use that to listen carefully, not just double, sometimes quadruple, sometimes (laughs) 10 times their business in less than five years. So Patrick, thank you again. Tell us a little bit about your entrepreneurial background. How did you become an entrepreneur? Uh, Mac, thanks. I'll, I'll kind of, you know, start out. Kind of goes back to best as far as college. I was studying nuclear engineering. I was fascinated with fission and fusion. And actually, out of high school, I applied for uh, to be in the Navy Naval ROTC officer program, and they rejected me. Well, <clears throat> I went to college, uh, engineering school back east. And in my sophomore year, I had a 4.0. I was in great shape and. All the men in my family were in the Navy, every single my brother, my father, all my grandfathers, uncles. And so uh, an opportunity presented itself after I had a 4.0 to get a full ride in the Naval Nuclear Program. Um, and, and I was fascinated with it, uh, Naval Nuclear, but at the same time, have an opportunity to defend my country and freedom. I jumped on it. So I was awarded the scholarship, became a commission officer in the Navy. Did that for for you know five years. Had a son, and uh, I got out into uh, the Fortune 100 in America. And at that point, I became a district sales manager. And while I was extremely successful in corporate America, I realized that working for the man right is not going to get me where I wanted to be in life. Very and that's when I actually, yeah, right. I, I started a property management company on the side, like so many of us do. Started a side hustle. And was also flipping houses. And that's what allowed me to make that jump into entrepreneurship. I knew that that's where I wanted to be. And and it turns out I was really good at business. Scaled this thing up so quickly that I was approached by many other property management company CEOs in this organization that we were a part of, the National Association of Residential Property Managers, um, that I started coaching them on how to do the same thing. And that's when I got into uh, the consulting world and, and and Mac, I've just, I've never really looked back since. I've In the last 15 years, I've been coaching CEOs, not just property management, but all businesses from all facets. And, and, and when I started discovering this concept of, you know, organic growth is good. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you got to have your own house in order mm-hmm. in order to be able to move on and, and do mergers and acquisitions. But when you're getting 15 maybe 20% growth, that's all good and great. But then once you start having the ability to 
purchase other companies and acquire other companies with sometimes as little as 5% down, or maybe even 0% down if it's the right deal. Now you're talking real wealth generation. In five years, you can 15 to 20x your, your, your value of your company. And so once you start comparing and, and, and helping people here, but once you really start generating that wealth and, and freedom, because that's what we're really doing is freedom here. That's when it's just all turned around for me and, and really changing people's lives. Absolutely. I love what you said. You're building for wealth and freedom. You know, we're talking about generational wealth. You're building for the family and and, and their families, which is fantastic. Now, let's get into this then. For those who don't know what mergers and acquisitions are, give us a, a, a brief um, of what that is before we get deeper on that. So we, 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 we're at the foundation. Yeah, absolutely. So, so like I said, so the main problem that my clients face is that while 10 to 15% organic growth is decent, when you can acquire another company and literally double the value of your company, the double your revenues in one year or less, mm. that's what we're talking about. So a merger and acquisition is, let's say you're an HVAC company. We're actually in the middle of a deal right now where you know, uh, we have a company that's, that's up in the Northwest and they could either acquire another HVAC company and literally oh, double right. in one oh. year. Yep. Those of you thinking, what is HVAC? Oh, yeah, Ventilation and air conditioning, just for your information. Not everyone's aware of that. Yeah, carry on. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Max. So so it's a heating, ventilation, air conditioning company, and they're doing about $2 million per year. And so they could grow organically. And, you know, maybe, you know, next year we'll be at $2.4 you know, something like that. Or you can acquire another company of equal size, $2 million. It doesn't have to be in the same geographic area. In fact... It's sometimes better if it's not. Um, and you literally double in one year. So we're acquiring another $2 million company. Actually, we're acquiring a $3 million company. Excuse me. Um, and we're negotiating in such a way where we only have to come out of pocket 5% down. So, so it's a $2.2 million contract, $2.2 million uh, purchase acquisition. We're coming out of pocket, you know, 110000 uh, to be able to purchase this. And so when we do that, what, what we're really after, though, is not just, you know, a lot of people think there's two things I want to address here, Mac. One is a lot of people stress out right away. CEOs are just, they're stressed. Oh, shit, man, I can't, I can barely run my own company. How am I going to acquire another company? Hmm. Yeah, there are some things you need to do inside your company to make sure that you have the freedom to do that. But it's not as much as you think. You don't have to be able to 100% pull away from your company. It's not like you're going to buy this other company and run it. If you try to do that, you're only going to buy one more company and you're done. That's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about is being able to buy that company, but structure the people in such a way so that you don't have to run it. Hmm. You are managing the manager. So either there's somebody already in there, a number two in command that can come up and run it, or sometimes we purchase the companies. And we only buy a majority interest. Maybe we only buy 80% interest or 70% interest. And then the owner stays there for a while right. and we help them grow, right? That's There's just a lot of different scenarios. But, but Mac, what we're really after is the wealth generation portion of it. Growing it at 10 or 15% per year, that's all good and great. But how long is it going to take you to be able to build that company to a point where you actually have wealth generation when you can sell that someday the value of the company there's something called multiple arbitrage okay and um okay. and multiple you're familiar with that term 
Yeah, but yeah, but go ahead and explain it further to Paul. Yeah, cool. So, so that's what we're really after. When we work with our clients, we're not just doing one acquisition. We're buying, we're doubling the revenue every year. Okay. So if you're a $2 million company this year, you're $4 million company next year, you're $8 million the year after that, you're $16 million. This is 100% possible in the mergers and acquisitions world. And a lot of people might be thinking, well, that's all good and great, but now I might have all this debt there. And why would I do all of this? The reason you do this is called multiple arbitrage. And so when you're a $2 million company, let's just say you're a $2 million company, your EBITDA you're throwing off, let's just say it's 400,000 EBITDA, okay? Yeah. The way they value, the, the, the value of a company is just the general terms, the EBITDA times some kind of a multiple. When you're small, like 2 million, the multiple might be three. Okay. Okay. So, so the value of that company would be 300,000, let's say it's 400,000 EBITDA, times a three multiple, you're valued at 1.2 million. Yeah. When you double in revenue every year and you're up, let's say you're a $10 million company and now you're throwing off $2 million in EBITDA, let's just say for numbers, hmm. the multiple goes from a three to a six or something of that range. So you're making millions out of thin air. And, and, and so, so now you're a $10 million annual revenue company, $2 million EBITDA, roll with me on the numbers, two times six is $12 million, but right. you did not spend $12 million to get that company, you spent far less. Right. And so it's, it's, it's creating millions out of thin air, and, and that's the game that we're playing here. That's the game is that someday we have a value of a company that's, that's much higher, it's $12 million, $20 million, and yeah. we're creating that generational wealth event. Superb, superb. So for the layman who's never done this before, because um, I've sold businesses, I've acquired businesses, tell, talk us through the acquisition process so people get it. What's the acquisition process? What would they have to go through? Or what do you, do you have a framework? You go through a step-by-step? -step? Do you have a, a methodology? Absolutely. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so the first, the first thing when we, let me throw this out there too. Acquisitions is a tough game. Mm. Why? Because most people purchase companies that are put on the market, on, on the brokerage, on BizBuy, you know, BizQuest, whatever. Those businesses are drastically overpriced. So, so I want to throw this out there first and foremost. We rarely, if ever, will purchase a company that's listed through a broker. Now, there's lots of brokers out there are going to hate me, but I'm sorry, guys, gals. This is just the raw truth. Brokers are like realtors. When they're approached by a seller, they're going to give them, they're going to sell them the dream. Oh man, your business is worth, you know, let's say if, if, if the, what I would pay for a business might be a million dollars, they might put it on there for 2 million, 2.4 million. They drastically overprice it. Why do they do that? Well, it's like selling a house, right? If, if you call three or four realtors, and three or four realtors give you a price for your house, let's say 500,000 to a million, which one are you probably gonna go with? The, the million one's like, oh yeah, you're gonna be able to get a million, no problem, blah, 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 right? They're, they're yeah. selling a pipe dream. Yeah. So this is what's happening all over the place is these brokers, they hinge up with somebody selling the business. They tell them their business is worth, this is this is actually a true scenario. I mean, the one we're purchasing right now was, was listed for 2.4 million. You wanna know what we're purchasing it for? I know it's going to be much less than that. <laughs> <laughs> we are actually sell, buying it for 1.4, okay? And and what happened is they listed it for 2.4 literally in 2021, and it sat there 
and it sat there and there's people that came and they put in letters of intent but the, they couldn't get it funded and it, it's, it's so that, so there's two reasons why businesses fail in the lower range under 20 million the first reason is people pay too much for it because they you know they're oh you know they're excited i want to buy with a dream buying a business yeah so they pay way too much for it or it just sits there and usually they don't sell and then the other is uh they don't do due diligence but back to this point is that what happens is that they're listing it for sale on a brokerage and it just sits there and the prices go down. The owner's got retirement on his mind and it just drops and drops. So anyways, so what we do is drastically different. Back to answer your question after a five minute answer. Sorry about that, Matt. No problem. Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> is that is is we contact businesses before they think about listing with a broker. So what we're doing is let's say. We, we get together with a client and we say, this is our strategy. We're going to buy HVAC and plumbing companies in the Northwest. We mm. have resources. We're going to go and download and find the, the business name, the business owner's name, email, and phone number. And we're going to reach out to those business owners. And we have a, um, a, a process and a script and everything. We, we send them an email and ask them if they're interested in selling, blah, blah, blah. And so we contact them before they get disillusioned by a broker and so, so first step is we contact them. Second step is we see if we're in the right ballpark. We get their financials if they're interested. They send their financials over to us. We're looking at their balance sheet, the last three years of P&Ls. We do what's called add back normalization where we're looking at the true value of the company. Right. And from there, we work with the buyer and the seller to try to arrive at a price verbally. Mm -hmm. Once we do, then we send out a letter of intent Letter of intent is signed and agreed upon, and we enter the due diligence phase. And the due diligence phase, Mac, is that that's the, also the place where a lot of acquisitions fail if they're not done right. That's why, I mean, if you look at the statistics, I mean, it's like 60% of acquisitions go south. Oh, why? Wow. Because they buy it for too high or they don't do due diligence. Mm -hmm. We have a 27-page process that we take our clients through. We have zero failed acquisitions. And so, so we take them through a very rigorous process where we're looking at everything and anything that could possibly be hidden under the rug uh, before we buy that company. And then if uh, everything looks good, we help with the funding. We, we get a funding package approved. We're working with the banks, all that kind of stuff. And then bam, it closes. Wow. Awesome. You know, before you go on, I want to point out to everyone listening and watching that Patrick has a coaching program that he helps people go through this stuff. So he does it for himself as a business, but he also teaches people. It's just in case you're wondering, hey, what's going on here? That's why he has so much knowledge because he's imparting yeah. that knowledge to other people as well. So yeah. Patrick, you know, you make it sound simple and easy. And if it, why aren't, why don't more CEOs or small business owners and founders approach growing their business in this way? Mac, it's a really good question. It's it's because I, I was there. Um, we have our baby, and 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 we're we're mission critical. It, our mission is to get our baby and just grow our baby, and that's all we know. That's mm. that's all we think. And many times, CEOs of smaller companies under twenty million, they think that acquisitions is only for the big boys. And they don't have they don't have the expertise too, right? So um, they think they have to hire you know it, you have to hire somebody full time in house or you know you know what you know. We don't you know CEOs don't know mergers and acquisitions. Yeah. 
that's why that's where we come in and we fill that gap. Yes, I, I do do some coaching, but more more than not, Mac, it's actually a total turnkey process where mm-hmm. we I am your M&A guy. Like I am part of the team. We actually got, actually get an email with your company and I represent your company and we do everything. Okay. Uh, there's there's actually very little that our CEOs do, but that's usually why they don't do it is, is we're, you know, we're running a business and we're so, we're so consumed with our business that we don't even think about, it's kind of like, it's kind of like you take a finger and you jab yourself in the ribs, right? And if you just mm. keep doing it, it's hard to think about anything else, right? So you're right. running your business, you're just consumed in the whirlwind in the day to day. So the first thing is you have to be able to uh, have a business which kind of allows you the leverage to, to think over and above your business. And then once you even get there, how do you get the expertise to do an acquisition, right? And that's that's where we come in. So thank you for that. So when you say um, you help um, CEOs and uh, small business business owners to to acquire other um, businesses, you said it's total turnkey solution. Is there a yeah. fee for that, or is that you taking oh, yeah. uh, equity within that? How how does all that work? Uh, if they want to give me equity, I'm more than happy to take it. <laughs> but <laughs> generally, we just do like a small retainer at first, okay. Mac, and so that retainer it depends. There's a lot that goes into what that retainer would be, but it's just to cover our costs, and it's okay. just to say, hey, Patrick. We're serious. If you find a company that meets all our criteria, yeah, we're going to follow through with it. And then there's a success fee at the end. So actually, when it closes, there's a small couple percentages that that come off uh, of the loan to pay for us. Okay, got it. We have listeners from all over the world. So is this very US um, centric? U.S. mainly, but U.K. for sure. England, Europe. uh, I mean, we have uh, we have we've worked with clients over there. Canada. Absolutely. Okay, got it. Excellent, excellent. You know, Patrick, I've heard you talk about synergistic acquisition. What is that? Or is that something you've covered already? What does that mean, synergistic acquisitions? Great question. So synergistic acquisition means, uh, think about, and I'm going to go back to the HVAC because this is one that I actually part own. We're, and the company that we're purchasing actually is not a heating and ventilation air conditioning company. It's a plumbing company. And okay. so the synergistic means... If there's a complementary business out there that when, let's say you're bidding a job, you may outsource to somebody else for a portion of that job, or you may refer clients to somebody else. It's kind of a, it's a horizontal, but it's not a direct competitor to you. Okay. It's something that kind of complements your business. So when you purchase a company that's complementary, you can potentially have a lot of synergy between the two. So in our instance, we're a heating, ventilation, air conditioning company. And when we do our jobs, they're commercial, we have to outsource a plumbing company. Right. Okay. Right. And the plumbing company now, now comes in and does everything. So so now when, when we're buying two of these companies, all of the jobs that that plumbing company had, they get to now include HVAC in it and all of, and they're different clients. All of the HVAC jobs, we now get to include plumbing company. So synergistically, we're both going to have this ramp up the day we close because we're going to have relationships on each side that we're going to be able to close more business. We're expecting an additional million dollars in business just from the synergies alone uh, of, of these of these purchases. It's very, yeah. very popular in, in all kinds of business sizes. And it makes a lot of sense, you know, because then you'll keep in these companies in the same ecosystem and the money's passing amongst them, which is great, you know, and, and companies. Yeah. Like 
Synergies work really well when you have a CEO of the company who's going to stick around. Right. Because let's say I'm a heating, ventilation, air conditioning company. Well, I'm the CEO of that. I know that business inside and out. I can manage that. I can purchase another HVAC company and put someone into place that may be not as knowledgeable and coach and manage them. With a plumbing company, it's going to be a little tougher, right? So those are, you know, definitely something to think about. Yeah, thanks for that. So tell me something, what is the best strategy? Is it to be uh, industry agnostic in terms of finding these companies and acquiring them? Or is it a better strategy to be focused on a particular um, vertical that you you want to acquire? You know, you, for you, it's HVAC has worked for you very well. Yeah. The synergy behind around that would be plumbing companies, probably electrical companies. What what would you say about that? Yeah, I would say when you're starting out for the first for the first couple acquisitions, I would stick to what you know. Okay, I would stick to what you know. And, and and there's other reasons for that as well. Remember how we talked about the multiple, multiple arbitrage? Yeah. Well, that multiple arbitrage generally holds true if the umbrella of companies is in the same arena. Now, we're going to be able to do that because HVAC, plumbing, electrical, they're all doing the same job. So it's in the same arena. But other industries might be a little bit different. Like if you're a CPA firm and you go purchase you know, I don't know, a digging company or something, right? That's two totally separate things. You're not going to be able to enjoy the benefits of multiple arbitrage. And the other portion of it is, like I said before, for your first couple to make it so it's not complicating and toughen on yourself. Another, If you have to go learn another industry right off the bat, it's probably going to put a bad taste in your mouth. Makes sense. Yeah, it may put you off altogether if if it's something you don't know and it goes south, Highly recommend sticking the same industry if you can. Awesome. Thank you. You know, one thing you mentioned earlier on was about acquiring some of these companies, sometimes with as little as 5% um, down. Now, how how easy is it is it for banks to lend you to acquire those companies? Is it something they frown on? Is that easy to do? Or is that depending on what your, your existing company is doing already? and what, what credit worthiness um, the business has? So it, it depends on uh, a lot of variables, right? So <clears throat> we'll go back to the credit worthiness. The credit worthiness only applies if you're gonna do an SBA guaranteed loan. So if it's gonna be a $5 million or under purchase, if you're gonna be going that route, then they're going to look at your credit. Um, a lot of people, probably a lot of listeners might fall into that range. So if you're gonna be doing an SBA guaranteed loan, Um, They're going to be looking at three things. They're going to be looking at your current company, profitability, balance sheet. They're going to look at the company that you're uh, purchasing, profitability, Mm -hmm. balance sheet. And they're going to be looking at your personal finances, your personal credit, all of that kind of stuff. So so as long as the company, both companies are profitable, they've got a good story, which is where we help um, come in and you have decent credit. And I think the credits, you know, 640 to get a, you know, SBA, something like that. And you have the amount of financial resources to be able to put down. So for, for today's day and age, they actually SBA just came out with a brand new program last month. It used to be, you had to come up with 10% down. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, they just came out with a new program where is if the seller is willing to take a 5%, 5% of the purchase price, standby loan for 10 years, 
which means it's accruing interest, but you don't make any payments for 10 years. If the seller is willing to do that for 5% of it, the SBA guarantee allows you to come into the loan with only 5% down. So now in this last month, you are able to, for an SBA loan, buy a company with only 5% down. And most owners are willing to do that, right? Unless they think they're going to die in the next couple of years, right? So and even then, you know, they give it to their wife or kids or whatever. So it makes it very, very easy to jump into an SBA program. Now, if you don't have an SBA, if we're talking a larger company, we're, then we're going to be looking at traditional lending. Mm-hmm. And w- we can be extremely creative on traditional lending. Sometimes we get into deals with, with no money out of pocket. I'm not saying that to attract people that, you know, that, you know, don't have money because you need money to, to purchase businesses and expand. There's operating capital, working capital. I mean, just, you know, I'm not trying to sell a pipe dream. You can always find an investor and yes, purchase a company for zero. There's a lot of people out there selling those kind of things, right? But that, that's not what we're particularly looking for. But traditional lending, there's a lot of options. You can do leveraged buyout. You can use the assets of the company that you're purchasing yeah. as collateral for the loan. You, uh, you, you combine that with owner financing. And many times you get into it for a very small amount. But even traditional lenders, Mac, they want to know that you have skin in the game. Nobody's going to give you just a 0%. Like they want to see skin in the game, whether it's your own money or an investor's money, you got to have skin in the game. Got it. Got it. Got it. Well, well, well explained. Well explained. Let me ask you, Patrick, are there any conditions where you would invest or buy a property that was loss making, that there is an opportunity to turn that around very, very quickly based on maybe your own intellectual property or something you know that they are not doing, something you can do creatively, turn that around and maybe acquire. I'm just I'm just wondering if there, if there if you've ever come. Across Absolutely. That. Yeah, absolutely. But you got to know what you're doing. Right. Right. Uh, we, you know, we've done a lot of turnaround companies. My my uh, my business partner and CEO, he's I mean, he's been doing this for 40 years and that's that's what he specialized in is, is turning around companies. Okay. Um, but you got to know what you're doing. Right. Makes sense. Makes I would sense. say don't do it. Do it in an industry that you're not familiar with. Every industry has their trade secrets. Right. Where I can walk into a property management company that's upside down. And if they have you know, the right kind of properties, the right number of properties, I can make it super profitable, extremely fast, right? So the, every every industry has its trade secrets and you got to know what those are. Thank you. Just out of interest, what's the biggest um, or, or maybe the biggest, cha- not challenge, I suppose, one that really went south? You lined everything up, everything was in, in order and maybe you acquired it and it just didn't prove to be what you wanted it to be or... The, the the seller and and then and, uh, and the buyer, you know, everything was lined up and it just went south. Something happened dramatically or drastically. It just didn't happen. Yeah. Oh, geez. <laughs> I can think of a few of them. <laughs> oh, oh th- that I've personally done. Um, we, yeah, like be. I said, we haven't had any any failures or any any yeah. acquisitions that didn't go through. But um, early. In my personal experience, I can speak from that. We we acquired a company and we didn't do proper due diligence. Okay. And one of the things that happened is there was a lot of POs in the docket to, to um, okay, so when we purchased the company, um, we didn't have anything that kind of protected us from them putting purchase orders in that were going to close uh, within a certain period of time of the transaction occurring. Okay. 
And so what ended up happening is this company, actually, there was there was management personnel and a number of the management personnel ended up leaving. And lo and behold, we didn't know this, but they actually, well, we saw these purchase orders come come through and they were for a couple million total. Okay. And we didn't do a lot of research on it because this company was thrown off. It was a big company. And so uh, a couple million was not that big of a deal. And so uh, we didn't look into it a ton. And then you know, these purchase orders go through. And then we start, we came back like a week later and we started researching it. And because the, the, we, we made the order, but we didn't get, it was for signs basically. And we didn't get the, the order, to, it didn't come through. So we started researching it and then we started looking at the purchase orders and the purchase order um, was lined up from people's last names that matched the people from the management that left. Okay. Oh, no. so, so yeah, so basically what ended up happening is they had set up this other company. They they were they were leaving. They had set up this other company, and instead of giving the order to the normal company that we use for signs, they they put it through and had it all approved. And in the hustle and bustle of purchasing this company, you know who's going to look at this? You know what would normally be just a small purchase order. Um, you know we didn't have a, a process. There wasn't a process in place to vet uh, new um, new vendors. And so it went through and then we ended up going into a lawsuit and just all this stuff. And so now, you know, we have a full due diligence process uh, in place that, that definitely finds stuff like that. So all right. lessons from the from the mine, eh? lessons um, that you cannot you cannot buy these. These are real life stuff, right? <laughs> it's just it, there's so many things like when you're purchasing a company, I'm not trying to like scare anybody. Yeah. Because when you have somebody who does mergers and acquisitions, you'll be able to, you'll be protected on this kind of stuff. But this is early in the days, you know, this is just one of our lessons learned that, you know, trust nobody and verify freaking everything. everything. Was it Reagan that said that trust, but verify, right? Absolutely. I'm going to come back to you in a minute, Patrick. Now for everyone watching, listening, remember to subscribe, follow, like, make some comments as well. Ask some questions. What did you get out of this? Uh, and um, really appreciate it because, you know how the algorithms work. If the people are liking it, people are subscribing, people are following, they'll share it to more people. So please, please, please do us that favor. Thank you. Patrick, for those who want to um, work with you, learn from you, uh, maybe do mergers, acquisitions, want to speak with you, what's the best way for them to get in contact with you? Yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, you can do two things. One is you can email me directly at patrick at patrick vrogers.com that's p-a-t-r-i-c-k v as in vincent rogers without a d r-o-g-e-r-s.com or you can go to my website patrickvrogers.com and i have right on the front there you can sign up for a, a give a free uh 30 minute uh strategy call uh where we just have a discussion about your current current uh situation where you want to be and see if acquisitions is the right plan for you fantastic so patrickvrogers.com um, give me yep. the email again. The email was what? Yep. It's Patrick at PatrickVRogers.com. You got it. Listen, Patrick, I want to say thank you very much for jumping on here. Thank you so much for bet, sharing man. this insight with us. And for those people listening, he's just giving you the magic key to double yeah. people, 10 times your business. Get in touch with Patrick. Let's see how he can help you. Patrick, thank you. You take care until we catch up again soon. Thanks Bye. a lot, Mac. You're most welcome.